Welcome to Bite by Bite Nutrition for Life, a broadcast of Purdue University Extension, where we cut through the hype, explore the science behind food and nutrition, and provide practical tips for incorporating healthful strategies into everyday life. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this episode of Bite by Bite Nutrition for Life. Monica and I are joined today by Dr. Julie Garden Robinson in the air quote studio live on the internet. Um, Julie is a registered dietitian and professor and extension food and nutrition specialist um, with our friends at North Dakota State University in Fargo. Along with creating and coordinating nutrition, food safety, and health outreach, she writes a weekly column, Prairie Fair. So thank you for joining us today, Julie. Thank you for having me. So I'm going to jump right in. Can you tell me a little bit about Prairie Fair? What's your column about? Anything I can think of after writing it for 24 years every week, uh, it's all about nutrition, food safety, and health, and tell stories of my family and raising my three kids and trying to integrate good nutrition and health habits. Oh, sounds like something I could probably check into. I'm always talking about how hard it is to uh, lead by example with your kids. Um so we appreciate you being here today, and we invited Julie on our podcast to share a little bit about the work she's done regarding the relationship between food and brain health. So we know that the brain is the command center of our body, so we should care about it as much as we care and talk about our other important organs like our heart. So Julie, what can you tell us about the connection between our diet and our brain health? Well, what we eat affects all aspects of our health, whether it's our heart or brain or muscles or joints or bones. But when we think about our brain, overall, a heart-healthy diet is a brain-healthy diet because the greatest risk to our brain is having a stroke. And controlling our blood pressure is key to helping prevent strokes. So there are a lot of things that we can do in our diet to keep our brain healthy. So here's a little plug for those of you. If you haven't already listened to our episode from back in January, we talk about the DASH diet and blood pressure. Go check that one out. Um, and so what are there specific things? You, you said what's good for our heart is good for our brain. So that's, that's good news, right? So we're not trying to do 10 different things for our body. We can pick one healthful path to, to, to drive on and, and do it and do it well. Um, are there particular foods that are especially good for brain health? Well, certainly eating more fruits and vegetables is good for all aspects of health. But when we think about our heart and our brain, it's a good idea to moderate our sodium intake. And the good news is it's all on the Nutrition Facts label. So I always encourage people to really check out the nutrition facts, especially the new ones, because the new label now lists potassium, and potassium is really great for our heart. Of course, we don't have labels when we go into the produce aisle. We can't pick up a banana or a potato and find out that they're great sources of potassium. But on the rest of the foods, and especially the processed foods, you really want to read and compare so that you are getting foods that are lower in sodium, 
less trans fat is good for your heart and your brain. Um, check out the saturated fat content. So really pick up those two products, whatever you're comparing, and compare these different aspects. So Julie, you mentioned the new food labels and we actually had a previous episode that we did talk about the food labels and how to read them. So should people just be looking for the percent daily value? And we talked about in that previous episode about uh, being over 20% means that it's a good source of uh, these nutrients. So you just said you can't pick up a banana and know if it's a good source or not because <laughs> there's no food label. Um, but so it, should we be looking for over that 20%? Should we be looking for certain milligrams of either potassium or sodium? Obviously we're looking for more potassium less sodium but is there any specific requirement there so if you're looking for something that's low in something it's five percent or less I, I guess is the figure so comparing those and if, if something has say 30 percent of the daily value in that product or 50 percent you kind of have to consider what nutrient you're looking at so if you get a can of soup and a serving has 50 percent of the daily value for sodium which isn't out of the question sometimes that means that you really need to trim back your your sodium choices for the rest of the day so it's a good way to gauge where you are and the daily value is designed for that purpose so that you can look at the more detrimental nutrients which often sodium um, added sugars those sorts of things but you know find your balance in terms of your food intake what are you selecting and how does it compare one product to another and those good nutrients that we want are in the bottom of that food label. So you were saying the detrimental ones, they're kind of typically more towards <laughs> yes. the top of that food label. Yes. And uh, the ones we want are down towards the bottom. And like you mentioned, we have some new ones um, now that we have a new food label. Uh, one thing I'm wondering about, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, is the ketogenic diet, um, you know, limiting carbohydrates. And we talked in that episode about how carbohydrates are the main energy source for our brain. So is there, do you know it? Is there any research or anything showing some detrimental effects there or maybe even too high of a carbohydrate diet with our brain health? Well, we want to balance, you know, have a moderate amount of everything. And I'm not a proponent of the ketogenic diet. So we definitely need carbohydrates for energy because we need that fuel for our brain. Our brain needs glucose to do its tasks. So we don't want to completely cut out certain nutrients and just focus in on certain ones. So, you know, in terms of carbohydrates, whole grains are particularly healthful and carbohydrates aren't bad. <laughs> you just need to have the amount that your bodies need. And that's sometimes hard to balance, isn't it? We need those, those whole grains, those uh, fruits to get the good carbohydrates um, as opposed to uh, maybe all the pie that um, I ate around the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all have that problem. So is pumpkin still a vegetable if it's in a pie? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I don't know. We'll have to talk about that. I'd, I'd rather, That's another I'd, episode, right? I, so, I guess I'd rather have you uh, try some sweet potatoes. There's some brand new research that came out re related to sweet potatoes, um, you know, pumpkin would be similar in nutrients. So focus in on those dark orange and dark green vegetables. Okay, that was actually just my next question, Julie. So are there key foods that folks tend to not incorporate in their diet 
that we're really missing out when it comes to our heart and our brain health. So you just mentioned the dark green and the dark orange. Well, sometimes foods get the name of being brain foods. So we might hear of fish as being a brain food. And in many cases, that is true. Uh, Omega-3s are largely found in some of our seafoods and tuna, salmon, trout. Those are actually pretty good brain foods because most of us do not eat enough of the fish and seafood. The latest dietary guidelines reminded us that we should be having a couple servings, so that's six to eight ounces of fish and seafood per week because they're so rich in omega-3 fats and our bodies don't make these particular fats and our brains need them so it is a good idea that we are having more fish and seafood and you asked about other kinds of foods besides the dark green and orange I'd say eat more berries Berries are particularly rich in antioxidants, whether that's vitamin C or other nutrients, and those are good for all aspects of health. We like to try to explain some words. I know people probably heard of antioxidant, but could you explain a little bit more what the purpose of antioxidants in our bodies do? Uh, you can think of them as like little boxing gloves. They fight off the oxidizing chemicals that may come into our bodies from environmental sources, from metabolic reactions, different things that can happen. And these are our little fighters that fight off the potential bad effects that, you know, natural chemicals that get into our bodies can have. So they're, they're a good thing. Antioxidants are good for you. <laughs> I love that analogy. I'm always trying to explain what antioxidants do, and I have never uh, thought of boxing gloves before, so um, I'm going to have to steal that one from you and use it. Um, we also have talked about um, omega-3s and eating fish twice a week in a previous episode, and we mentioned how here in Indiana, where most of our listeners are probably from, uh, it's kind of hard to get fish here because we're a little bit landlocked. <laughs> um, and then obviously certain kinds of fish have more omega-3s in them than others. Um, but this morning I was consuming some chocolate milk from um, a, a dairy producer who has added omega-3s into that chocolate milk. And you know, you see that sometimes on eggs and other foods. Are these fortifications um, just as helpful as eating fish if someone say, has a hard time having access to fish or um, just simply doesn't like fish? Well, I will add that I'm from the landlocked area of North Dakota, so I, I totally get it. <laughs> um, there are different ways to get your omega-3s and first to explain why we can have omega eggs and maybe higher omegas in certain uh, meats. Just because, you know, just like us, what we eat or what a chicken eats or what cattle eat affects the type of proteins and what that they produce. So if chickens are fed feed that is richer in um, omega-3s, they will produce eggs with yolks that are richer in omega-3s. If cattle are grass-fed, typically they will produce meat that is higher in omega-3 fats. So similar to us, what we eat does determine what we're made of. Um, in terms of being landlocked, I will say that sometimes 
you know, we can go to the grocery store and check out the frozen foods aisle. If salmon is hard to come by, just go to the frozen food aisle. Go to the canned food, the canned tuna. Albacore is particularly a good source of omega-3s. So choose or find different options that might be less expensive. Because I know in, in my state, it's often quite costly to go and buy fresh seafood. It's a treat. You know, certainly sometimes it's on sale, a little bit less expensive, but you can use those canned and frozen options as well. I know I love going to the coastal states because all I do is eat fish for every meal for the whole week I'm there. Really, I get my two servings all in one week, I guess, while I'm there for the whole year. <laughs> so, uh, uh, switching gears a little bit, uh, you call these brain foods, but I know I hear another buzzword of superfoods. And one food that gets lumped into that superfood group, which I'm not a fan of that word anyways, but is blueberries. So why are blueberries so special to brain health? Well, I'd say any kind of berry is, is particularly rich in antioxidant nutrients and those are sometimes called phytochemicals. Phyto means plant, so natural plant chemicals. There have been a number of studies um, related to blueberry extracts and different berry extracts where they actually have rats consume the uh, the extracts and then they have them try to navigate through a maze and they have found that sometimes these rats can get through the maze more easily if they've had some blueberry extract. Now that's not a reason for you if you have a big test coming up or you're writing a grant or a report that it's going to automatically improve your brain if you have some blueberries but there is some some evidence at least in the animal world and some studies even done with humans but it's not only blueberries it's it's any any type of antioxidant rich berries can be you know can provide those nutrients that act as our boxing gloves uh, within our bodies and you mentioned another big word in there of phytochemicals and so phytochemicals are uh, the substance within our food that is giving it its color. So that's what's giving blueberries the blue color, orange to our carrots, uh, red to our tomatoes. Uh, and all of these different phytochemicals have a lot of great properties to them that might be different. And so should we be eating all those colors for brain health or specifically blue for brain health? I'd say try to eat all of the different colors because Regardless, um, our bodies need a wide variety of nutrients. Um, so specifically, you mentioned some of the different colors. The blue or the red colors are um, called anthocyanins. And it's the same chemical that colors our, our plants. Maybe your trees are red right now. Those are anthocyanins, which are in the plant world as well. So all of those colors can can produce some health benefits if we eat enough of them. And most of us do not get the four and a half cups per day that's recommended for adults. So we all need to aim for a little bit more fruits and vegetables to get all those phytochemicals, those beneficial antioxidants. Sounds like a familiar uh, message that our listeners have been hearing over <laughs> and over again. So this is something else that I'm curious about because I've done programming on brain health and memory and, and whatnot before. And the population who comes to those and attends those types of programs 
are maybe individuals who have reached an age where they're already starting to maybe experience some minor memory lapses and, and such. So, but I have to wonder because this is what we learn with our other chronic diseases is about the age of onset. So at what age should someone really be thinking about this and trying to incorporate these eating patterns into their diet to promote brain health? I'd say the younger the better. We do a lot of education with children to try to get them to eat a more colorful diet. And we start when they're preschoolers. So it's, it's throughout your life. Um, and if you've never, I guess if you haven't had a healthful diet all your life, it's never too late. And that's what some of the researchers have said in their, their research articles. It's never too late to start anew to incorporate some of these healthful foods and more physical activity into your life. Just do it. When you talk about teaching kids to eat these foods, and I can't tell you how many kids I have worked with and uh, parents who tell me how their child won't eat fruits or vet, many of them will eat fruits, but not vegetables. Um, and this is just another reason, because I think sometimes it's hard to explain uh, to a child why it's important to eat these fruits or vegetables because it's healthy isn't really a good reason. So adding in this brain health component, it's going to help you do better in school. Uh, that sort of thing is going to be really important to kind of help teach them this concept. Absolutely. And, and we often, I have a preschool like directly below my work window there. You can probably hear them talking, <laughs> but um, kids love to listen to books and they like to taste new foods. So we're not necessarily giving them a lecture on the benefits of antioxidants, but we are having them taste some of these foods, whether it's black beans or red beans or you know broccoli. We, we have them taste it. And there's a lot of children's books about food and nutrition. And often they like to be like the character who tries a new food. So we have... Um, some curricula that I've written for use here in North Dakota and a lot of times it's just trying new foods and the best way to get people to try new foods is to let them help you make it so if there are parents out listening I can't emphasize enough the value of cooking with your children and eating with your children I love that you said that because I say that all the time. I teach several classes where I cook with kids and the recipes we make, people are like, they won't eat those. Like we make a veggie quesadilla and I tell kids we're making a quesadilla and they're like, yay, yay, cheese quesadillas. And then I start pulling out all the green stuff, the spinach and the zucchini and the black beans. And they're like, wait a minute. But that is one of their favorite recipes that I make with them but they help me make it. So they're invested in that process. They're excited to taste what they helped create. So yeah. I love that you shared that. And I guess the other thing, it's garden with children. If they help grow the food, whether it's carrots or whatever it happens to be, they're much more likely to try those foods. So get out the, the gardening gloves next spring, I guess, or grow some herbs in your kitchen. That's another way to help help people just get used to that whole culinary use of, of uh, vegetables and herbs. And if you're thinking, I can't do that, I don't have a yard, I don't have the time, XYZ, um, Extension has all kinds of resources for you, whether you are in North Dakota or Indiana or some other state in between. 
to container garden or tips for working with your kids in the garden easy easy vegetables to start with that are that are kind of fail safe so you have success that first year um, and the kids can see see the produce of their own efforts um, I love that you said it's never too early to start but it's also never too late to start so wherever we are somewhere in between today can be the day that someone says I'm gonna make that one small change um, and so what what would you say to folks would be some key things to think about if they're wanting to promote brain health and really get a jump start on making sure they're doing putting the right things on their plate well I, I think first you have to assess where you are and figure out are you having those four and a half cups of vegetables where are you shortchanging yourself and think about even your grain intakes your whole grains think about the variety that you pick up when you go to the grocery store do you get the same foods every week or do you try something new and if you do have young kids when my kids were a little younger they get to pick out a new fruit or something every time we went to the grocery store then they were very excited about going so I think you have to do that assessment first and find out where you are and where you might need to tweak your diet or your physical activity because we all besides our diet we need about 30 minutes of moderate physical activity on most days of the week so with the physical activity uh, three days a week does it need to be uh, strength training uh, does it need to be cardio what's gonna help our brain health well as um, as we put together a, a series of lessons called nourish um, and brain health was one of those in that series what we found and more and more research I read it's that ongoing physical activity that 30 minutes most days of the week and so what our mantra was whether we were talking about muscle health or joint health or, or whatever it was trying to get that ongoing 30 minutes and it didn't have to be jumping around and doing aerobics or anything like that because some people can't do that for various reasons it's the ongoing moderation of of everything our diet but also getting that moderate physical activity you should try to get your your heart pumping a little bit you know but start where you are and if you haven't been you know exercising at all you got to start maybe with five or ten minutes and then work up and um, many people still use the 10,000 steps a day as sort of a, a goal but some of the more recent research has shown it's not even 10,000 but that's still a, that's still a pretty good goal <laughs> it's better than nothing, right? Yes. <laughs> I know I like to uh, take breaks throughout my work day that I, you know, most of us are sitting at a computer all day long, uh, especially now after COVID happened, we're, we're staring at the Zoom screen or something now. Um, and so I like to get up and just, you know, go for a walk around um, outside my office you know say try to get 10 minutes in so you mentioned um, that it doesn't have to be 30 minutes all at once but maybe just go get a 10 minute walk in and I don't know if I'm getting my heart rate up high or not but I know that just helps me clear my head and be able to sit back down and focus on whatever my task is absolutely and one thing we found as we were reviewing the research 
was that dancing was one of the very best ways to improve your, your brain health. It's, it was a study published in the New Journal, a New England Journal of Medicine a few years ago, and they looked at people who were age 75 and older, and they watched them over 21 years, and they found the best way to reduce the risk of dementia was frequently dancing. So because of that pattern that you do, maybe you're waltzing or whatever you happen to be doing, that that pattern not only improved the, the neural connections in your brain, but it also got your heart rate up a little bit. So if, you're, if you've never danced, maybe that's something to consider doing. There you go, ladies. Date night with your husband. He has to take you out dancing. Um, that's the way we can get him on the dance floor, right? <laughs> Doctor's orders. <laughs> I fortunately have a husband who will dance with me, so that works out. <laughs> uh, and you said learning a pattern. So is learning something new important for our brain health? Uh, yes, yes it is. And that, that can be through reading, it can be through other musical activities. And I'll tell you a quick story. Um, in my other life, when I'm not a nutrition specialist, I'm a musician. And I joined a band again, and I was just amazed by all the people I've met. Our band members range from 23 to 94 years old. And these folks are still playing their musical instruments. Some of them have picked them up after many years. And I'd add that, that playing a musical instrument is also, it's exercise, you're, you're, it's a lot of work doing some of these songs, but it's also extremely good for brain health. So music, dancing, reading, playing board games, all these things are good for, for brain health. I just recently started crocheting. Uh, so that's been my new task I'm learning for the year. My problem is I need some people to make things for because I'm starting to have too many items <laughs> stacking up around the house. <laughs> A new business. <laughs> I think we're about to wrap up. So are there any other tips, nutrition or not related to help us with um, helping with any memory lapses or anything like that? Well, I think it's important that we pay attention to what we're doing. If we find that we forget now and then, if we lose our keys or glasses or whatever, um, get yourself organized. Uh, and if you really want to learn something new, consider teaching others what you know. Like teach someone else how to crochet, teach someone else how to cook. And I guess some other things to think about as far as maintaining our, our memories is to say it out loud and use reminders. I have yellow notebooks with me all the time because I'm always writing myself reminders so I don't forget. <laughs> My biggest problem is I always think of things when I'm in the shower and I can't write down something in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> Or driving down the road on my way to work. I'm like, these are the things I need to do. And then I get to work and it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> and it's March. So we, it is National Nutrition Month. So um, do we have any points that people should think about? I know brain health isn't the theme of National Nutrition Month this year. Uh, but, you know, hey, the idea is to be promoting nutrition. So brain health is important. So what I think we pretty much covered it, but maybe just to kind of wrap up to help people, what are some key tips we should be thinking about as we head into National Nutrition Month? Well, we in nutrition are always trying to get people to eat more fruits and vegetables. So just remember the, the 
the recommendation to make at least half of your plate colorful fruits and vegetables. Uh, include more things like red beans and black beans. Maybe try some new recipes. Um, make sure that you're getting about half of your grains as whole grains. Choose lean proteins and include seafood a couple times a week. And that can be canned or frozen or fresh. And then I guess lastly is to get plenty of exercise. Put on your dancing shoes or simply take a break a couple times a day and walk 10 or 15 minutes. And I know um, we talked about antioxidants earlier and vitamin E is the major um, antioxidant vitamin in our bodies and that comes from nuts and seeds. This is the thing I have the hardest time getting into my diet. Tanya or Julie, do you guys have any ideas for how I can get more nuts and seeds? Surely somebody else is struggling with this too. I bring them as snacks actually and I often have a bowl of, of seeds out for my family to grab when they're instead of a bowl of candy I have a spoon and right now at home I have some sunflower seeds and some dried fruit I just keep a little cover on them so they don't dry out and that kind of does the trick for us yeah kind of the same here so I typically put sunflower seeds um, on my salads um, which in order to be get all my vegetables every day, I typically try to make a giant bowl um, of salads, which you were talking about getting your kids helping you in the kitchen. My son is infatuated with helping me make my salads for the week. So if I don't let him help me chop up the veggies, he gets really distressed. So it takes a little bit longer, but you know what? Hey, um, he enjoys helping me do it. And then I'm being, I hopefully a good role model showing all the colors that are in my bowl that I take to work. But I also have, I actually had bought for the holiday, um, some, what's the word I'm looking for? Not, they're not really candy pecans, but kind of when they have like the little bit of cinnamon and sugar on them. So that's what's gonna go on my salad today instead of seeds. I realize it's a little bit of a, little bit of an extra sweet that I don't necessarily need, but you know what? I only buy that kind of stuff this time of year and the jar is almost gone so I'm not going to beat myself up about it. I'm just <laughs> going to enjoy the new flavor and crunch on my salad at lunch. That sounds great. <laughs> hey, poet and I didn't know it. All right. Well, we really appreciate you being with us here today, Julie. Um, are there any favorite resources that you have on this topic, whether it's a book or a website or something different that you would fo point folks too if they wanted to learn more. Well, I'll do a plug for our own website. We have a huge website with nutrition content. Um, you can find my column Prairie Fair. I've talked about omega-3 fats in the past, but we also have a lot of resources in the area of nourish. So nourish your brain. If you want to Google that with NDSU Extension, you can find that resource and I also have a handout called exercise your brain also from NDSU extension so those resources also have links to other resources and one of the best things about extension is we um, often beg borrow and steal from other places so many of us in Indiana with Purdue Extension have the Nourish series so definitely check out your Purdue Extension websites as well to see if any of your local Extension educators are offering that series in your community. Absolutely. So Julie we always like to close on a little bit of a fun note so here is our question for you. Well I'll give you two choices either your favorite food pun 
Or if you were a food, what food would you be? Oh boy, I'm not a huge fan of puns, so I'll, I'll use the other one. Uh, what would I be? I would say I would be broccoli. Because I remember when I took the registration exam to become a registered dietitian, and I took a review course, and the instructor said if broccoli's on the list as far as what you know, what nutrient is highest in this list of foods, pick broccoli, because it's probably going to be the right answer. The answer is always broccoli. Okay. <laughs> the answer is broccoli. There you go, folks. One I, more reason to eat your broccoli. I thought for sure it was going to be blueberries for those antioxidants. The brain, <laughs> Broccoli's my favorite. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us today, Julie. Again, if folks want to, if they want to connect with Dr. Julie Garden Robinson, they can look her up at North Dakota State University NDSU Extension um, and check out some of those resources she was referring to. Um, and if for some reason Google doesn't get you there, you can always give Monica and I, drop us a line on social media and we will help connect you. So that's when I want to say thanks for joining us today for this episode of Bite by Bite Nutrition for Life. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Bite by Bite Nutrition for Life. Until next time, remember to ask questions, challenge the myths, and stay true to you.